Welcome back to another episode of the 104. This is a podcast about the Edmonton Oilers in a healthy and productive manner. My name is Herman Vijegas, and on my left is another person who uh, has apologized for Don Cherry, even though Don Cherry has not apologized yet. <laughs> it's Elliot Tanti. <laughs> you know what? I've just got very broad shoulders. And you know what? Anyone can come on my... No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Let's save it for the back half. We're saving it for the big topic. Uh, but that was the biggest news of this week. Uh, in hockey, but we'll definitely talk about that. But right now, how do you like? We're we're doing okay. Yeah, you said three, three, and one. Three, three, and one. Since we last recorded, yeah. The team's like first in the West or whatever, yeah. close to it. Um, yeah. Divisionally, really good. I mean, every time I feel like, oh, the Oilers are doing so well, they've got to be. You know, they're first in the West. I got to go look at the standings, and then I realize how close everyone still is, yeah, and how hard close. it is um, to stay ahead. But hey, you know what? After years and years and years of frustration, I'm pretty happy about yeah, you know uh, how October went. I'm cautiously optimistic. All right, let's get into the news dump and let's talk about the Oilers. All right, so on the last two weeks of since we recorded, you mentioned it. We were three, three, and one. So three wins, three losses, one overtime loss against the Coyotes. Um, what did you think about these last few games? That we that, that we looked at, uh, so starting from Florida all the way to last night. So two things I want to note out of this last little bit: two two game losing streaks that didn't become three, four, five, six yeah. in the game losing streaks like we've seen in the past. I was a little worried about the that. Oilers haven't really given a you know we've come to. Uh, see with this Edmonton Oilers team in the past, they may have really good runs, but they also, those get kind of negated by really poor runs. And one of the things that's really different about the team this year is a real sense that uh, they can, one, come back in any game, but two, they're not going to lose that third game in a row, or they're really going to try hard not to lose that second game in a row. Right. Um, so the Penguins game that they came back after losing to the Blue Jackets and Red Wings, oh, a 2-1 win. Hard fought win. Yep. I think Mike Smith had like 700 saves or something in that <laughs> yep, game. He did. <laughs> um, and then you know you look at the Devils, you know four nothing home win after mm. two losses to the very good win. The Blues. It was a very yeah. complete win. Yeah, yeah. Really came back with a strong performance in that night. And this is something that we have not really grown accustomed to. I mean, I guess in 2016 this was sort of a trend. Yeah. The team was a little bit more streaky then, I think, than yeah, they are for now. Sure, 100%. One of the things that's really come through is that they get the game that they lose back. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was concerned after the Blues game that we were like, oh, okay. So, you know, we beat the Blue Jackets. They weren't that good of a team. Like, we, we win in OT against the Penguins. We lose against the Coyotes in OT, even though we came back in that game. But the Blues won, you know, like, like that was a test, and I felt like the Oilers really didn't. Nah, but the Blues are a freaking good team. They're a good team. They are but a like, really good team. Like, again, if we wanted to be a team that competes, like, we should be trying at the very least, even if we lose, like, 3-2 or whatever it is. But it was, like, the Blues were dominant that game. Yeah, I, although the Blues came back in the third. They yeah. gave them a run for their money. I think, you know, th- that's a 5-2 loss. That's actually a 3-2 loss because it's got two two em- empty net goals in it. Mm-hmm. Um 
The disappointing thing about that game, I think, the Oilers scored first and then three goals against. Right. Back, back, bang, bang, bang. Um, set them behind. And But the Blues are an incredibly difficult team to play. Like, yeah. the way that they gum up the boards, they're such a defense, strong defensively-minded team, but also they can just turn around and, and just turn on the Jets and score really yeah. quickly. I was actually, I, you know, I think I disagree with you because I actually thought it was a disappointing loss because it was certainly like a... Uh, you know, a test game to see where this team was mm-hmm. at, but mm-hmm. I didn't think the Oilers uh, did as poorly. Uh, they, they were they could compete. They they got dominated through parts of that game, but their third period was something else. Yeah, and I think uh, the thing is that that with the Blues is that that was a game maybe like two years ago or a year ago where the Oilers would lose and they'd be like, yeah, no, we played really hard. You know, it was the Stanley Cup champions, blah blah blah. But it was like this. Was, that would like signal the start of like a three game yeah, losing true, streak. True, true. <laughs> like, um, so I agree with you in a sense that I'm so happy that they came back with two really good wins, right? The Devils and the Ducks. It was almost as though I think this team is kind of figuring itself out. I think the the Oilers are figuring out um, what it takes to win night in and night out. Mm-hmm. I think Tip has done a good job of instilling like expectation, right? But it was really interesting from the Edmonton Oilers to go from that loss to the Blues and come back with that complete team win against yes. the Devils 4 nothing, And it was almost as though they learned something from watching the Blues in, in yeah, that game as well, maybe. too. And, and, you know, that that was really heartening, I think, because mm-hmm. uh, the, the Devils are a team that they should beat. They're better than the Devils. Um, and they should beat them completely. And they should dominate the Devils like the way the Blues dominated the Oilers for the first two right. uh, periods in that game. And right. They did that. Yeah. And the shutout win, you can't say anything more than that, right? Yeah. And, you know, like, I think I was a little concerned. Like, the Florida win, and Florida's playing really well. Uh, Florida loss, uh, Red Wings loss. I mean, we should be beating teams like the Red Wings. I'm glad that we beat the Blue Jackets. Penguins, I'm glad that we beat them. We, we should, we're, I think, we're closing the gap on that. The Coyotes, I mean, they're still, they're playing really well, the Coyotes, but it's a, it's a team that we should be winning. Um, but again, I'm, very heartened by the last two wins that the Oilers had. The 4 nothing win, the 6-2 win against the Ducks. They were playing really well. And it felt like, you know, like somebody like Connor. You know, like <laughs> people, I think, were if someone was saying, it's like, oh, maybe Connor overheard that, that he's not now, like, the best player on the Oilers, which is a, it's a lie, obviously. But, like, <laughs> Leon's, like, yeah, winning in points It's a very now. friendly competition. Yeah, but he's like, no. I'm getting a hat trick today. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to score. What do you mean I'm not the best goal yeah. scorer on the team? Here we go. <laughs> you know, this the other thing that's nice about this, and before we close out and head into some of the things mm-hmm. going on this week, 3-3-1, three, three, and one, so essentially 500, right? Yeah. You are allowed to go 500 throughout the rest of the season if you start 9-3-1 or whatever they did Absolutely. to start the season, right? Absolutely. Like, you can st- they can go 500 for the rest of the season, and they're in well positioned to make the playoffs and have, and have a good run and have a good team. And that's another thing around, you know, never, ever giving up too many losses in a row mm-hmm. is that they maintain that great start that they've had, the value of that great start. Every team's going to have, every good team that makes the playoffs mm-hmm. is going to have had a run or two in the season that they've maintained the um, positivity from by sort of playing 500 for the rest of the year. Absolutely. So they're banking points, which I love. They're banking points. Exactly. They bank points in the October, and I'm happy that they're doing that. I don't think anybody had the, the idea that the Oilers are going to be the best team in the West, but... I banking points in at the start of the season is a great thing to do. So absolutely, yeah. So we are scoring a lot. 
Leon is top of the leaderboard in uh, points. Yeah, he passed Pasternak, right? Yeah, he passed Pasternak. He's now 34 points. Pasternak's at 30 points. McDavid is at 30 points as well with his hat trick yesterday. His 4.9. Tethy, Dreisaitl had 4.9, right? Was it? Right, yesterday? he got a bunch yesterday. Yeah. Um, and then Marshawn Carlson. Two of the top five, two of the top three uh, are Oiler players. So, I mean, this is uh, really cool to see. Um, the differential, though, is one thing that I really was concerned about. Um, I think we last time I checked that we were like a, either a minus one or a plus one in gold differential. I can't see it here. But, um, been swingy games. Yeah. Essentially what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So it's like we maybe it's brighter now after these two wins, uh, these four goal wins. Uh, but I mean, like it's just been a kind of up and down with that. And I think we're. It goes deep into the our second part where but Mike Smith is specifically is playing really well. Yeah, I think our goaltending has been outstanding both sides. I mean even Koskinen, Koskinen last night. Yeah. yeah you know, you sure. can't you can't really you can't really say he didn't play well. No, and he I think has, he also got the shutout too against the Devils, right? He did, yeah. So you know, there's that. Um I've just been impressed with Mike Smith. Lately. I think the the goal differential is sort of a continuation of a, is the conversation that we had last episode around secondary scoring. Those guys are starting to come through, though, and mm-hmm. you're starting to see that more and more. And actually, the Oilers having success. Imagine that, because they're bottom, bottom six in some of their defense are scoring, which is great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, Leon's still going to get his four-point night, and mm-hmm. McDavid's still going to get a hat-trick here and there, and that's just how it is, and they're the best players on the team, and they play a lot of minutes, and that's how it is. I think Nuge waking up as well. That's what I was going to say. It's been Nuge. another thing, yeah. too. I think the goal differential, it's hard to... I think it was hard to bank too much on that 20 games in, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, when we're starting to get to 45 or we're looking at the end of the year in terms of that. But it's generally a good, you know, a tool in terms of telling yeah. where teams are in the standings. Yeah. Um, but I think we've seen pretty decent goaltending, a little bit of lack of secondary scoring, and that's starting to turn around, and I think that will turn around the goal differential as well. Yeah. Have you been impressed with Mike Smith? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've been very impressed with Mike Smith. I, I, I mean, I think both goaltenders, but Mike Smith has, I think, definitely been a step above. Uh, that performance against Pittsburgh being just the latest in what was has yeah, like been a couple, saves? yeah, fifty four saves That's or something crazy. like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, just another example of um, that. Do you sign him to a three or four million dollar contract? No. <laughs> I'm worried about that. That's my worry. Is like he's gonna get like a like if he's like a two year and he's like a backup. I'm cool with that. Like. But, I mean, we have Koskinen for another two years. That means we're, we're stuck with that tandem for Well, here's years. the thing that I think, you know, is probably good for your fears, is that I believe that Koskinen, or sorry, Mike Smith has played too well for the Edmonton Oilers to afford him moving forward. Oh, good call. Because, um, <laughs> good call. you know, again, we have, what, $4 million tied up in Koskinen yep. for the next three years, yep. or this year and two more. Yeah. Um, and you can only spend so much money on your goalies. So yeah. if Mike Smith is... And has played really well and is deserving of maybe a longer, more expensive deal. It'd be a taking a chance because he's an older guy. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Edmonton has the means or capacity to do it. Yeah, I think so, too. I I hope that's the case. Um, I, it's not that I don't like Mike Smith. It's just like he is an older goaltender. I don't think we should. like, And he is very up and down. He is a goaltender that he, he did not have a good season last year. Um, until but, January, and until, then he had a great season. Yeah, until the playoffs, and he had a really good season. Uh, but he, I feel like, again, like I think we talked about this last week, that goaltenders just, they can fall off at any time, at any time. Well, look at Talbot, right? It's a yeah, very similar story. Exactly, right? 
I think that the way in which they're being used, this sort of two-on, two-off, it's gotten into a rhythm with both yeah. the goalies. Um, so, you know, Tip has done a good job of managing their workloads, mm-hmm. and I think that that um, rotation is serving both goalies really well, too. Yeah, no I one's getting so. overworked. No one's getting overtired. I mean, even, you know, 53 safe performance, and it was nice. It was the second game. Pull him out, he gets a rest mm-hmm. or two, and then Koskinen, Koskinen takes over from there. You know, like, it's just good for the teams, I think. Yep. I totally agree. I totally agree. And you, it also kind of brings up the idea that we're going to have these uh, pretty decent goalies in the pipeline right now. We have, like, Shane Starrett. We have uh, Stuart Skinner. Uh, we yeah. have um, Olivier Rodrigue. Like, these are... Th- that's such a good point. Yeah. And it's something, you know, I don't pay as much attention to the draft, obviously, as but... you know, but there's been a lot of time being spent on... Um, a lot of picks being spent on really good goalies and yeah. drafting and development. And maybe this is, you know, Mike Smith, Koskinen, whoever they bring in next year to replace Mike Smith, because I do not think right yeah. now at his current you know rate his of play that place. he will be here next year. Yeah, I agree. Um, to push Koskinen. These are all stop-at measures until we can start getting some of the younger goalies. And goalies take longer. Yeah, they do. And they have to they be do. older. So... Um, yeah, and they and you need like a progression, right? You can't yeah. just like throw them into the fire, like we did with Devin Dubnik, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes, it's true. <laughs> um, JP, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, um, yeah, you wanted to talk about this specifically, just to give an update. I guess yeah. he's today. We're, we're recording on Sunday, um, Remembrance or no, stuff Monday, Monday, Remembrance Day, the eleventh. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. Um, news has come down that he will not be returning to the NHL this year. And I think we not all, to Edmonton or to Edmonton, to Edmonton specifically to Edmonton. Not to but the he NHL. does have he does need to actually sign with a team or be like brought in before January. Otherwise, he can't come for the rest of the season. Correct. Right? There's yeah. some there's some weird rule. Anyway, it's like it, the if you remember the Willem Nylander scenario or situation that happened last year with uh, there was a deadline. It was like a December deadline that the the RFA needed to be signed or they missed the whole season. Yes. So JP needs to be signed by this specific deadline, or they miss the whole season. So basically, there is a deadline for Holland if he wants to trade him this year, um, or just know that the, if he's being traded, that they, they can't play for the rest. Exactly. Of the year. So, and so, you know, I think that ultimately this is probably good for Jesse Pujarvi. He's going to continue to gain confidence and play well mm-hmm. in Europe. Um, can increase his trade worth. I don't see him being moved at the deadline. I think it's probably more of like an off-season thing. I think so, too. To get moved. And uh, disappointing that it hasn't worked out, but I, I, I think it's... I always think it's better that... You know, look at Bufflin in, in, in Winnipeg right now. Oh, I think yeah, it's that, always better if you just know every, all the cards are on the table and you know exactly yeah. how everyone feels rather than sort of like this tit-for-tat misinformation. I agree playing yeah Panarin did the same thing with the Blue Jackets he said like the start of the year before that se- that season started he was like guys I'm not coming back <laughs> just letting you know <laughs> just not so coming you know. back trade me if you want to keep me if you want to just letting you know I'm not signing with yeah. this team yet um, so that's I mean it's always good when a player does that and the agent has said that already and again like we're going to talk about like this idea and I've heard it all the time and like other hockey podcasts uh, about like oh would they have a fresh start they have a fresh start I'm just like there must be something else and there's also a question of is like maybe he just doesn't like being with the players or yeah. there's and that's not a bad thing about there's not a bad thing talking about the Edmonton Oilers specifically but at the same time I'm like it's something didn't click and I totally understand Apuliarvi's uh, idea of just being like I don't want to be here 
I well, don't have a contract. Like, yes, Ibuyarvi was mishandled in a mess, and it was one of Todd McClellan slash Peter Shirelli's greatest mistakes. I think. Yeah, one of his mis- one of their misfires, one of their many misfires. Yeah, yeah for and sure. I think that that's uh, you know, Ken Holland's going to do all that he can to get the best value for him for the Edmonton yeah. Oilers, and it, I think. It can turn into a real positive win-win for both sides. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll hope, we'll see what happens with that. We're going to keep you updated as these news happen. Um, Adam Larson, he did some skating. Yeah, didn't you <laughs> say that he was never going to be back and never going to be the same player, <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be like six months? <laughs> I thought you it was were so be. disappointed. I was like, I was like, oh, he's gone. He's gone for the season. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So he might come back pretty sooner than I thought. I don't yeah. think it's going to happen like like in a week or so, but I think it, it might happen in like this month. So what do you do now? Because you've had a defensive core mm-hmm. uh, led by Brandon Manning, who have, um, you know, based largely... <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Just your face. You your face. Saying. It was worth it for your face right there. It was worth it for your face. Quick, quick, wait, no, no, (laughs) no. But you've had okay, so you you know that six, uh, seven defenseman rotation in and out with Brandon Manning, everyone else. But let's be honest here. You've had a really strong Darnell Nurse, Ethan Bear Mm -hmm. combination. Mm -hmm. You've had a fairly decent Oscar Clefbaum, Yoel Pearson, Yoel, yeah, uh, Pearson, Pearson. uh, a and combination, Benning and, and Russell, and Benning Russell yeah. slash you know Manning whoever comes Whatever. in and out in that yeah. in that sort of thing. So what do you do? How do you reinsert Larson back into the lineup? I think Rick, the real question I'm asking is what do you do with Bear? That's the good. That's the that's the question. I totally agree with this question. Um, man, like I, if you look at if you're if you're Dave Tippett. How do you take Bear out? Like, Bear's been just consistently good. No, you can't. Good. You can't. <laughs> and how he's in the top I line. I think the question is, how do you take minutes yeah. away from Ethan Bear? Exactly. I I do see... Okay, so if Larson does come back, like, hopefully he'll be a little bit more sheltered role, like, like being able to ease into the game. So I could see him being in the third pair or even in the second pair. Um, just taking like the old person's spot or taking uh, Russ, moving Russell. So here's my question, and I was going to get you to pull up the lineup because I always get confused in who plays yeah. left and who plays right. Right. Where does is Larson? Could you Larson's could you put Larson with Clefbaum and yeah. keep Bear with then keep Bear with Nurse that way? Yeah, I mean Lars, they, Larson, uh, Clefbaum and Larson don't play the same side, right? No, Larson Clefbaum was the was the lineup yeah. was the number one. Um, like in the like 2016 like uh, run, so they would be the ones. So so for example, Ed Nurse plays on the left, Bears plays on the right, Clefbaum plays on the left, Person plays on the right, Russell I plays. See. Russell actually goes back and forth. Yeah, um, he, so he can play whatever. He's, side he needs he's to either play. left or right. Benning, uh, usually more of a righty, but uh, he can also like kind of switch. So back we've and seen forth. your person get benched. <clears throat> yep, pretty recently actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you could conceivably see like Ethan Bear, Darnell Nurse, and Clefbaum and Larson, I'm, sort of like one A, one B. Yep. And I could see you, Benning going down, for like, example. I could see yeah, and Russell and Russell Pearson together. Back. Yeah, back and forth. I could see Russell. I mean, Russell and Pearson. Like this is a good problem up. to have, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's not something bad. I mean, and like again, like you're right about that question about Ethan Bear. Like I, I, I just don't see. I can't see him being sent down because of Larson. 
it just doesn't make sense. Bears playing so well. Right oh now. yeah, no, no, no. It would be. A, it has to be a Pearson. It has to be a Benning. You know, Manning obviously. It's yeah. Kind of in and out. Yeah, and Pearson. And people get moved down, right? Yeah, and Pearson has been playing pretty. I mean, he's he's had his struggles sometimes, but he's been playing decently. And I and I think they brought him in to kind of be that stopgap for um, you know the Jones and the other players. And they really like him with Clefbaum, which I think has been a good. Decent defensive pairing, yeah, but not outstanding. I mean, Ethan Bear and Darnell Nurse are doing a lot of the heavy lifting mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. and I think Clefbaum does provide some sort of stability in the back end, Absolutely. playing with Pearson. But yeah, I mean, I think if you have a Clefbaum, Larson, Nurse, Bear kind of setup, that's that's really good. Yeah, I just love that Ethan Bear just like like really took this opportunity and just like grabbed it by from day one of training camp. From day of training camp, yeah, like he's. Now we're getting to a point where it's like, we can't move Bear out. <laughs> like, no. it's fantastic. He's it's made like, it impossible for him to move, which is great. It's just, it's I, just, I really am stoked on that. I'm stoked to have Larson back. I, it means I, The other thing that this means, too, you don't have to rush Adam Larson. That's the thing. That's the great thing about that, which is fantastic. Because we did that with, like, I think we did that with Sekera the first time. We yeah. came back. And that was, I think that was a mistake. Um, now Larson, like, we can just, like, we can ease him back into the lineup, which is Fantastic. Any timelines for Larson? Not that I know of, but I'm assuming. I'm like I guess I'm gonna go with like it's gonna be either this month, November, or maybe the start of next month. Yeah, um, in December. So I hope he like is really like healthy when he comes back. Yeah, just like ready to go. Um, so this is the question that I have, and I saw this floated out on Twitter. Should the Oilers go for it? <laughs> like meaning Herman? Short- it's the second week of November. I know, <laughs> but. Here's the situation. You know what I said last time, last year? If we're in it by Thanksgiving, by American Thanksgiving, which is yeah. coming up, um, people usually end up being in the playoffs. Or they don't end up being in the playoffs. If you're four point out of the playoffs spot and by Thanksgiving, it's very unlikely that you're going to make the playoffs. Um, but if you're Ken Holland and you look at this lineup and you're like, I need some secondary scoring still. I probably need some help around this. I really need to push the button on JP, on Pugliarvi. Should Holland go for it this season? Um, so I guess there's a couple pieces to this. One, we don't know yet. We won't know until February, trade yeah. deadline, where the, and where the Oilers are at the, in February will be the biggest determination. I think if they're where like they're Pugliarvi, at right the now. The Pugliarvi situation, for example. Uh, yeah, that has a deadline I, I, I don't think that that's worth it. It's not worth it for okay. anyone involved from that side. Going back to Pugliarvi, just give him the year. And his his value is only going to increase. His value is only going to increase. And there's going to be fewer teams. Like, are you trading Pugliarvi for a rental player? Absolutely not. That doesn't make any sense, yeah. right? So there's that. So you, where are we at in February? I think the other thing to be that's important, it's a tough balance because there is... The team has a lot more opportunity to quote unquote go for it or be better next year and the year after that when some of the cap room starts to free up and there yeah. starts to be more opportunities 100%. for that. But you also have to balance. Here's a team that's put in a lot of work this year. Mm-hmm. Let's reward them with some sort of thing to say like, okay, heading into the playoffs, we've added so and so so that you can, you know, yeah, compete. Um, so if the Oilers were, let's say, because I don't think they're going to be first in the West come February. No, I don't Could think wrong, so. But let's say that they're, know, you know, <laughs> yeah, comfortably so. in the in the divisional race and um, or they're battling in the divisional race and comfortable from a wild card perspective. 
you know the right deal out there. You may be picking up someone, a good um, a centerman. Yeah. Someone, some secondary scoring. Uh, do you think you know my trading like the first round pick and a prospect to New Jersey for Taylor Hall? Probably not. Yeah, it's, it's the thing. Like you're, you're. <clears throat> I don't think you do the Taylor Hall deal unless you're signing him, like for long term. Like you're, I don't think you're doing him for a rental. Like that, I think would be massively stupid. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like, like depends what it costs you. But that's the thing. Like if, if, for example, like if you if James Neal has a has a good line, like a good season, you could change James Neal for a Taylor Hall and sign him. Um, but for example. I think it's coming out of the fence if you're trading anything for secondary scoring. Like, you could see a Oscar Clefbaum being traded or a Ross, or a, a Larson being traded. But doesn't that take away from your, like, overall team go heading into the playoffs? Maybe. But then you say, like, well... Like, I don't see that as a rental move. That's more of a long-term move. Because yeah. I think if you're going for it, you're looking for a rental player. Yeah, or you could trade one of the one of the prospects, yeah. for example, like yeah. like the Bensons or the Yamamotos yeah. or something like that, right? Yeah, that, would, that I could see. Yeah. And, for example, <clears throat> the Kings are one of the worst teams in the league right now. Yeah. Um, they're probably looking to, like, take away... And some there's some players, players on there that know how to win and know how to play exactly. and sound like a... Playoffs, and like the game changes. People like Tyler Toffoli, or people yeah. looking at like those kind of players, where they could add to a team like the Oilers and that add that secondary yeah. scoring for it. So, the, it's a question I'm floating in the sense of like, should the Oilers hold with this team that they have and just see what happens, or should they go for it? No, uh, yeah, I think you've kind of answered your question though. Like, I I feel like there is you know the right deal. You have to add something. I wouldn't go over the top. Unless you're getting really good value on some return. Um, you know, I think what you need to give up to get Taylor Hall as a rental player is probably going to be too high. Yeah, I don't but think But I, I do yeah, think that, that there's probably, you can pick apart the LA Kings <clears throat> pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good example of a team that, you know, would could, could potentially provide you some, some value in that sense, too. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some other teams that are in not great scenarios. Oh, like the Ducks, like you the know? Ducks, like, or you're looking at yeah, the, the Ducks. Last night I was watching the Ducks, and they're, just, they, they, they're, not, they're not that good. Like, you're looking at, like, the Like Kings. a Silverberg or something like that would be kind of interesting. I or, mean, like, the Wild itself. They yeah. might have something. Like, the Wings, probably not. Like, the Devils, probably not. Like, the Blue Jackets, maybe. Like, the Sharks, I think, would be one team that's really interesting to see what they do. Um, Evander Kane. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> they, there's not a whole lot of gambling sites. Well, there's, we have one right in the ring. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, hey, that wouldn't work so well. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, those are like teams that I would look at. Like the Kings for sure. Like the Sharks I would look at. Yeah. Um, even the Blackhawks, like to see what they have. And I think the answer to this question is that it's way too early to tell. Yeah. We don't know where the Sharks are going to be come February. We don't know That's where true. LA is going to be. Well, we probably don't know. Like I, I, I think we know LA is going to be. be. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> We don't know where Minnesota's going to be. Yeah. I mean, Bill Guerin seems like he's ready to make pull some strings and do some stuff over there. Um, we'll see about that. It's an interesting kind of time over in Minnesota. So, mm-hmm. But, you know, we don't know where the Oilers are going to be. That's true. That's if the they're battling too, right? in the wild card, I don't think there's any value. Maybe you bring in someone who can win a faceoff or two to give the jolt to the team. Yeah. But you have to be really cautious. I'd be really cautious about thinking long term. If yeah. they're in a position that they are now or similar to it, middle of the pack, middle of the conference, mm-hmm. uh, you know, b- battling a division and safe in the wild card, 
then you could maybe see them taking a, making a bigger deal. All right. We'll revisit this question past, like, December or it's maybe. It's hard because you don't know yeah. injuries, what's yeah, totally happening. Agree. There's lots of stuff. So Yeah, there's still some. There's still a lot of question marks. I get it. Okay. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about our favorite racist uncle, oh. Canadian uncle, Don Cherry. All right, <laughs> Herman. Big, big sigh. We're here again. Yep. We I sure feel like are. we do this episode two, three times a year. Yeah. Um, not that we've been doing the show for that long, but <laughs> it's a frequent uh, topic of conversation. Before we kick it off, mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that we are here together today on November 11th, Remembrance Day, mm-hmm. a day that is very important. Uh, I think it, there's immense value uh, in remembering what uh, those that have come before us have given up for the security, safety, and rights that we all enjoy as Canadians. Right. Um, and I don't want any part of what's coming in this next conversation to cloud that. That's a good point. Uh, and to cloud uh, the sacrifice that many members of the military have and will continue to give. Uh, to li- for us to live peacefully and safely. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, good, good uh, start to this. Absolutely. So, Saturday night, you want to set it up? Yeah, for sure. So, um, Don Cherry, who is uh, somebody who's very pro-military, very pro-troops, um, if you, <laughs> you should know about Don Cherry by now if you're yeah. listening to this. I don't think I need to set that up part up. So he is talking to Ron McLean on Coach's Corner, as he does, um, about poppies. And he's talking about how there hasn't been a lot of sale of poppies in this last year. Now, whatever. Like, it's it's a topic. I don't mind the ha- having the discussion about this, to- this topic. Um, the topic is not the problem. The way that he mentioned how he's like, people should be buying poppies because so and so forth. And then he says, and this this is what he mentioned. He said, you people who come here to Canada and 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 uh, understand and take the stuff that we have. He said something about milk and honey. Milk and honey. The milk and honey that we have in Canada. You people should respect the troops, the people who have died and stuff like that. But he kept repeating this line of you people who come here and... Mentioned that. Well, it was also in it. reference to people in downtown Toronto that aren't wearing that aren't wearing poppies, which, by the way, was a, a Joe Warmington thing. <laughs> that was that's where that came from. Um, Joe Warmington, who is a very right wing uh, columnist, opinionist in Canada, he went into uh, downtown Toronto, started videotaping people for some reason, and seeing how many people were wearing poppies because just that's what uh, type of person that Joe Warmington is. <laughs> okay, you people. So, uh, we are both the children of immigrants. I am an immigrant. You are also an immigrant. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I'll let you take the first crack of this. Yeah. So, <laughs> Don Cherry, my man. Not my man anymore. We can't hold it. This is not a surprise from Don Cherry. This is not a surprise from him. The thing that surprised me the most is that Sportsnet is actually apologizing for this. And Ron McLean actually apologized for this. This is the first time I've ever, ever, ever seen them both apologize for this. We still haven't got an apology from Don. I don't think we're going to get one. 
But we had a, a year last year where we almost lost him and it would have been amazing. But the thing is that Don Cherry has repeatedly, repeatedly shown his stripes of being a bigot and a xenophobe and somebody who is probably a racist. Like, he hasn't said anything specifically racist, but he's probably a racist. He is 100% somebody who has shown his stripes many, many times, and still people are defending him, which drives me nuts. Right now, there's a Twitter hashtag called Don Cherry is right. Are you kidding me, Canada? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? (laughs) This is insane. And it's only the, the fourth person best Canadian that was voted on. And to, like, give me a break. Don Cherry is the prescription of why Canada has this racism problem that we still haven't dealt with. Just go look at any reply around this specific topic. This is absolutely ridiculous that we're still dealing with this in 2019. Why? <laughs> um, so obviously this is very deeply personal to you. I think it's deeply personal to a lot of Canadians and it's been really frustrating to have to go through this conversation as you said once again. Yeah. Here's my hot take. I don't think Don Cherry actually cares as much about veterans he does the military he doesn't. and what that all the values of those things stand for uh, as much as he likes the idea that he gets to put on the fancy legion suit once a year and virtue signal about the value of the military and and their sacrifices and the reason why i say that and the reason why i believe that wholeheartedly in my heart is because the exact values that these people have fought and given their lives for the the things that we hold most dearly in the fabric of our nation and it, what differentiates ourselves from the people from the, to the south of us people across the atlantic from us people across the pacific from us is our deep commitment to providing sanctuary relief and a home for people that don't have any. Yeah. That we are a country of immigrants. Don himself comes from a country of immigrants. It's 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 all that we hold deal and it's the value probably first and foremost that these people have give, members of the military have given their life for and fight for amongst many others. Right. And to differentiate that right and that value from the others is wrong is inappropriate and shows how ignorant Don Cherry is actually about military culture and what oh, it means to yeah. be Canadian and to the means to defend Canadian values. And even Remembrance Day itself like the whole point for having Remembrance Day is to support the people that died in World War One and then died in World War Two and all the other wars specifically because we shouldn't be having wars that is the whole freaking point we should not be having wars. These people have sought and sacrificed, so we shouldn't have be having wars. And the thing is that, and, and maybe I, maybe I agree with you in the sense that he is kind of like this. He loves having this kind of persona, blah blah blah. But I think he's actually pro-war, and it, because he did was a person that was like, we should be helping um, uh, the, the in the Iraq War when Canada didn't go to the Iraq War. Um, and he was upset by that. Yeah. <laughs> and so Ron McLean and Don Cherry that time, remember, having like this huge discussion about this uh, on on uh, Coach's Corner. But at the same time, he, Don Cherry is one of those people that believes in these very, very right-wing ideologues that like he, he is pro-troops, but he's also pro-war. 
at <clears throat> he is supporting like the military industrial complex and he's supporting like big industry but he believes in these things so tightly that he just cannot understand this and also understands this idea of like immigration that people are not supporting quote unquote Canadian values like that is all entrenched yeah. into that into that idea I think the other side of this too that's important and you touched on it a little bit and I want to I want to continue to go into this because it's uh, I find it really frustrating is that you've had Sportsnet and Ron McLean actually I don't know if you saw Ron McLean's apology on Sunday night but he actually did one live on the broadcast because it's whatever hockey night hockey day in Canada or whatever whatever they right, do right, on right. Sundays that was Hong Kong um, hockey or something and like that, he, yeah. yeah and he apologized for his, Don, what Don said he yeah. said that specifically and then also for not intervening um I have a lot of time for Ron McLean. I think he's done. He's an excellent broadcaster. I think he's an excellent example of a Canadian, and, and he he represents Canada really well. Mm-hmm. And nation to nation to nation, yeah, uh, or C to C to C, but across our nation. Um, and uh, you know, there's time constraints, and Don Cherry's rambling. And frankly, I think if you've been doing that job for as long as Ron McLean has, you probably just turn off and don't really listen to what Don's saying most of the time, anyway. Yep. Um, and I, and I like people? that he's, t- I like <laughs> that he's taken you know responsibility for yeah. what happened on the show. I be- I don't agree with you. I believe that this is going to continue to fester throughout the week, and I think Don Cherry will be forced to address it next Saturday. I don't think Don Cherry should have the opportunity to address it next. I think Saturday. he should be fired. I think enough is enough. I think so too. And it's not that this was one a greater example than anything no. else that he's done, really. It's not as though this, um, you know, is, in fact, for me, all of that surprising coming from Don Cherry, honestly. Um, but enough is enough. We yeah. have been down this road too many times. He is not represented. He, he's been out of touch with hockey for 25 years. Mm-hmm. He has really no idea in the new game of what it takes. His, his, his takes on the game are, are irrelevant and stupid. He rambles. He's too old mm-hmm. to do it. And he continues to um, further his right-wing cause mm-hmm. on the public broadcaster, among other news uh, stations, amongst hockey culture, uh, in a way that is both inappropriate, stupid, and ill-thought-out. Absolutely. And not to suggest that being racist isn't necessarily right-wing, because that's the, I no, think that the racism the thing, thing no, is not. also it's the in addition to that. part of it. It's, it's the idea that, in this regard of, like, uh, this anti-immigration stuff that a lot of extreme right-wingers are going up against. And then there's the idea of, like, we got to support the groups, but also, like, this we also support this this, this yeah. industrial complex that we have, right? But so, just enough is enough, right? It, like, it is. We, it is enough, enough is enough. Like, how many times did we have this conversation last year? How many the year previous? You yeah, know, like, yeah. And that's the thing is, like, and this is why I was I was surprised that Sportsnet actually came out with something because Don Cherry has been going on for years and said these kind of things. Um, he's gotten human rights complaints against him. He's gotten human rights complaints thrown in against the CBC. Like he said things about Russians. He said things about French people. He said things about um, anybody who plays a little bit different. Like the only time I've heard him apologize when he was going after enforcers, and then he actually went and apologized because that's his people. That's it. That's the only time I've ever seen him apologize. Yeah. And the things that bugs me about Ron McLean, and I agree with you in the regards to Ron McLean, I think he is an 
he is an honest individual. He's, he's saved up a lot of credibility. He's he banked has. a lot of goodwill. He has. He has. But he's sat side by side yes. with Don Cherry for all of this. All of this. And for years and years and decades and decades. And has not been as outspoken as he is this time. But he knows what Don Cherry is. He knows it. He knows it. And he still stands, sits beside him side by side. He knows that he's a person who bought a hockey team and wouldn't allow foreign players to play on that hockey team. He knows that he's a person that has said bad things about French people, about Europeans, about Russians. He knows this. But now he's finally coming out and being like, well, we... Well, we, I never mind. Who knows what he said when off the camera? Exactly. But the thing is that like he should be saying these things on the camera. He should be challenging him with these things on camera. Like, he is the part... He should be the part... Like, he plays a straight man, but he also should be the one challenging those things. Like, by every person who is racist and a bigot in Canada, there's five of these silent people that, that don't say anything and that will perpetuate this kind of stereotype. If those five people were to say something, this stuff would be lower and lower and lower. And that's what I was hoping for Ron McLean to do. I'm glad that he apologized for his part. And I'm glad that he apologized um, for Don, which is, to be honest, I want Don to do that. But at the same time, I'm glad that he apologized. I'm glad that he's learning in that respect. That's why I have more time for Ron McLean. But at the same time, I'm not letting him off the hook too easily. Yeah, I'm with you on it. I I mean, I think the ultimately... You know, Ron McLean has a lot to answer to, and if I ever had the opportunity to just talk to Ron McLean, yeah. I would say, why would why would you allow to let this go on for as long as you have? Um, yeah, yeah, it, there's a it's, lot. There's, it's, it's a frustration. A lot. <laughs> here. Ultimately, what it comes down to in my mind is that he, I do not want to see him on television again. Right. I don't want to see him on the public broadcaster. I don't want to see him on Channel 23. I don't want to see him while the Edmonton Oilers are playing. I do not want him on TV anymore. Right. And so, okay, this is kind of break. I don't know if it's true or not, but this is Joe Warmington again. Um, he just tweeted out, this is maybe like two minutes, five minutes ago, uh, breaking Coach's Corner had been fired from Sportsnet. Story to come. Um, oh, I, I think I, that that's probably a pretty and he's calmless from the Toronto Sun. Yeah. So I... I think he, that's probably a pretty good... Pretty John Shannon. Good. Also, John, John Sherry's no longer with Rogers Hockey Night in Canada. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> like, this is so interesting that we're having this discussion. It's happening as we speak. Um, so, this is... I'm glad that we finally got here. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys were listening to our show, NHL yeah. Sportsnet, Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, it's <laughs> listening to it even though it's not out yet but it's now, good now here's okay. what I'll say and yes. our listeners will have had a chance to sort of digest some of this much sooner than we have right now right uh, take care of yourselves because there mm-hmm. is going to be a very long very nasty and very angry back and forth about how Don Cherry was treated um, yeah 100% and it's going to be really ugly and you're going to have some surprising people come out in favor of Don Cherry I think in the next couple days oh yeah Oh, yeah. And um, there will be a really negative fight because so watch, watch your favorite and, hockey players. And, watch your favorite hockey players yeah. on this. And Hockey Night in Canada um, made the right decision. I think so, too. And this is interesting, too, because like I, that's why I was surprised when Sportsnet and Ron McLean survived, like, apologized. And I think you're right. It came from me like, wow, I think they're probably firing him. So here's, um, here's what I would say. 
the way that this has gone and the time it's taken and because of the backlash and lash and everything. Um, I bet that Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet told Don Cherry that he would have to apologize publicly and he refused. Probably. That would not um, that would not surprise me at all. Yeah. And just you know, based on what I know and just what I know and how I know these sort of situations go. Yeah. I think that's what's going you're, on. you're probably right, knowing your knowing your background. Um, it's funny it's, actually to be honest, I'm kinda happy it happened this way because last year we almost had the the Don Cherry uh, tribute yeah. uh, factory. I'm kinda happy that he got fired instead of just being let go. Like and now that that people when they say, Oh well, you know, you know, he had a really good run and blah blah blah. Well, he got fired yeah. <laughs> because of it instead of like being uh, this. So it's, you know, it's a kind of a karma thing. But at the same time, <sighs> this sort of happened such a long time. So ago. after Rob Ford, previous mayor of Toronto, yep. after he was a city councillor mm-hmm. and he riled against bike lanes and immigrants and drug users and the gays, he ran for mayor and he won. Mm-hmm. Who do you think swore him in? Oh, it was Don Cherry. Yeah. No, I'm, I know that. I know that story. Called everybody called everybody pinkos. That's what... Bike-wearing, bike-driving pinkos. Bike-driving pinkos. And everyone wore a pink shirt the next day. That's who got fired. Yeah. Today. Yeah. And I am fine with it. Yeah. Should have happened a long time ago. Yeah. He's a person who went on Coach's Corner and told everybody that climate change is a, is a, is a myth and a, fo- and a hoax. And again, called everybody a pinko. So we should not be crying over Don Cherry. He'll be fine. He will be fine. I will be very interested in what happens to Ron McLean. I think he'll be fine too. But um, I'm wondering what the conversation will be around him. Um, and I wonder what happens with Sportsnet. I wonder I, what happens with Coach's Corner. I'm very... This is interesting because The Athletic just came out with like a culture segment about the hockey culture. And talked a lot about like the hockey is for everybody kind of thing. Um, and so it's fascinating how all these things kind of like synchronize too. So... This will be an interesting uh, month. This will be, it was an interesting week. Um, it was an interesting two days. And Don Cherry getting fired on Remembrance Day is really funny. <laughs> uh. Uh. <laughs> Just cause. Tweet that out now. <laughs> uh, well, this is... See, we are change makers here. Like, we were ranting we're about change it. Maker. And we, <laughs> it happened. <laughs> As we were talking, that is really funny. Um, all right, no, I think you're good. You made a good point about like take a look at the people who are going to be defending Don Cherry because there's a lot of defenders out there. Take a look and yeah, and just take care of yourself. It's going to be a really hostile, be hostile couple days environment. Here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just be aware of what's going on in the world because this is not going to be this is not going to die out from Don Cherry being fired. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, that is it for 104. What an episode. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Coming up for the Oilers. Nothing like breaking news on a podcast. <laughs> Coming up for the Oilers. Sharks away on Tuesday. Avalanche home on Thursday. Stars home on Saturday. What do you think is going to be the... the, the, the God, I can't even speak. I'm now. really looking forward to seeing both the Avalanche and the Stars. Yeah. Um, Decent teams, both of them. Let's Stars say not one, doing so well, though, but Avalanche is doing great. 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Let's do it. 500 for the rest of the 500. <laughs> You're going to do this. Wow. 
<laughs> this is gonna be good. Uh, I'm gonna go two and one. I think they beat the Sharks. I think they can beat the Stars. I don't think they can beat the Avalanche. I think two and one. That's my that's my guess. All right, looking forward to uh, <laughs> seeing what happens and who gets fired next season, next week. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch like in the middle of when like Barstool gets fired. <laughs> the Barstool Welcome to the 104 podcast. <laughs> Unfortunately, due to comments made on Twitter over the week, we've had to relieve Herman of his duties on the ho- as host of the 104 podcast. <laughs> Thank you for your understanding, and we will return shortly. We can do better. <laughs> I want, I, look, when Herman said, <laughs> I didn't realize it. I wasn't paying attention. The guy rants a lot. <laughs> I was just a timekeeper. Oh, boy. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you next time on The World of Horror. <laughs>